You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Hello, and welcome to us, Unscripted Stories podcast. My name is Joe Scaletti, my pronouns are she and they, and today we are joined by Isabel St. Arnold and Aaron Golding. Hello to Isabel and Aaron. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Aaron Golding. Um, I'm an assistant director in Multicultural Student Affairs. Um, I use him, he, him pronouns, um, and I'm happy to be here. And I'm Isabel St. Arnold. I'm a third year undergrad here at Northwestern. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also really happy to be here. Thank you so much for being with us today, uh, to both of you. Um, today, so Isabel will be sharing a story that she crafted as part of a storytelling workshop that Aaron facilitated for NASA, the Native American and Indigenous Students Association earlier this year. Aaron, can you tell us a little bit about the storytelling workshop? Yeah, um, we're really interested in having um, students be able to share stories, personal experiences that they've had as a way to build community. That's what our podcast is all about. Um, and so the workshop is an opportunity for folks that maybe aren't sure what story to tell or are not really comfortable yet telling a story um, on the podcast. Uh, it's an opportunity to um, enroll in a workshop um, where we spend uh, a few hours um drafting a story, thinking about a story, um, hearing examples of other stories, just so that we all feel a little more comfortable um, getting in front of the microphone, so to speak, and, um, and sharing a story with our, with our larger Northwestern community. Um, if you're part of a student group, like NASA was part of a student group, and, and they did this collectively, um, it's a great opportunity to kind of build, build relationships with your other, other members of the student group. Or if you just want to enroll in a workshop, we have rolling workshops, too, for everyone. Um, and you can find out more information on MSA's website um, under the Us Unscripted Stories podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Erin. Um, so now I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Isabel to share her story. So I'll be sharing a story about me and my grandmother. Um, so a year ago, I came home to Milwaukee in Wisconsin from school for Thanksgiving break. And I brought with me the materials to sew a ribbon skirt. So blue fabric that looked like the sky, different shades of blue, black and white ribbons, elastic and thread. Uh, a few weeks before Thanksgiving break, I had realized that while I had um, regalia to dance in before, I'd never had a ribbon skirt before. And so I was determined to make myself one. I told myself I'd definitely be able to do this on my own. <laughs> my grandmother had taught me how to sew, and growing up, we spent a good amount of time sewing anything from pants for myself to many versions of my clothes for the dolls I owned. But when I went to Artica on campus, because they have sewing machines you can use, uh, I realized that while I remembered how to use some parts of the sewing machine, I didn't remember how to do things like thread the needle and bobbin, and especially not on a sewing machine that was different from my grandmother's. And so I was, I was ready to give up on my ribbon skirt that day, but I decided that instead I'd bring all of the materials home and use my grandmother's sewing machine over break since I'd already bought and cut the fabric, ribbons, and elastic to the sizes I needed. 
So when I arrived at my grandma's on a Saturday during our break, it was at 10 a.m., which frankly was a little early for me, especially during a break. Um, but again, I was determined to make this ribbon skirt. My mother also joined us that day, and we all had a plan. First, we would turn to the Internet, specifically YouTube, to watch videos on the best tips and tricks for ribbon skirt making from the experts. After watching a few videos and following away all of these tips and tricks into our minds, we began our first steps. Together, my grandmother and I laid the blue fabric that looked like the sky out across her long wooden dining room table and made sure that all of the wrinkles were ironed out. Then I laid my first ribbon down, a black one, lengthwise across the skirt. My grandmother helped me pin the ribbon to the skirt and triple checked that it was laid down straight. She was determined to also make the best ribbon skirt and these ribbons had to be sewn down perfectly. Mm. After pinning down the first ribbon, I ventured from the dining room area to my grandmother's bedroom where her sewing machine is, fabric and pinned down ribbon in hand. I sat down and my grandmother began to show me again how to thread the needle on the bobbin, the up and down path that the thread followed to the needle and then to the bobbin. And all the memories of sewing with her when I was younger flooded my brain. Now I was ready. I slowly sewed the first ribbon down, being especially careful to keep the fabric and ribbon straight as I sewed so that the stitching would be as straight as possible. After I sewed both sides of the black ribbon down, I triumphantly carried the fabric back to the dining room where my grandmother and mother waited for me. For the next five blue and white ribbons, my grandmother and I repeated the process. We laid the fabric out on the long wooden table, pinned the ribbon down and triple checked to make sure it was straight and level, carried the fabric and pinned down ribbon to the sewing machine, sewed the ribbon down and then carried the fabric back out to the dining room. After all six blue, black and white ribbons were sewed down lengthwise on the fabric, my grandmother helped me to sew the final seam to turn it into a skirt. When we finished the final stitch on the last seam of the skirt, I looked over at the clock and realized it was 10 p.m. My grandmother and I had spent 12 hours that day making my ribbon skirt, which is funny because when I was originally making this ribbon skirt, I thought it would take me like three hours tops. But we couldn't have been more proud of that work and what we had created together. And so we excitedly showed off our creation to my mother. Mm. Um, about a month or so later, my grandmother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And this ribbon skirt we made together was the last thing I was able to make and sew with her. And um, there's just a lot of love and medicine from my grandmother in that skirt. And I felt it every time I've worn it for ceremony or for an important event. And I, every time I'm just reminded of how thankful I am for that day and for my grandmother. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for bringing that into the space. That was really, um, really beautiful. I can imagine that, you know, there might've been some frustration in the beginning. I know, you know, when I was young and used to like do crafts with my grandma, um, there would be a lot of frustration <laughs> in the beginning. But when you first got that, to begin to work and you like came out and like showed them like what like how do you think like what do you think was going through their minds do you know um I think so growing up um my grandmother who's non-native she's German um she sewed a lot of the regalia for me and my sister to dance in as well and so 
something like a ribbon skirt, which is also like regalia and traditional in um, my community. Um, she knows like the importance of that. And she's always, um, I guess, like supported me as an Anishinaabe woman. And so I think for her, it was probably um, just like, I don't know exactly what was going through her mind, of course, but the, an important moment for her as well, since I had never had a ribbon skirt before and we'd never made one together. Um, and so I think for her, yeah, she was probably just really proud and happy to be a part of that moment. Can you explain what a ribbon skirt is for folks that don't know? Um, or how, how you I might knew explain it? this question was going to come, and I was like, <laughs> I should prepare for this question. <laughs> um, I can try. <laughs> um, so ribbon skirts are generally, they're longer skirts, um, and they have multiple ribbons around that go all the way around the skirt. Um, and it could, obviously, people have creative freedom, and there's many different styles and um designs that people have made with them but like I don't know the story behind ribbon skirts really but um I was just always taught to that we wear them for important things like ceremonies um I've also you'll see them a lot in like um if you look at like Dakota Access Pipeline um protests or line through protests a lot of women will be wearing them um in those spaces um, I don't know if that's helpful at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure people okay. can Google it, too, and see tons of examples yeah. of them out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you talked about not being comfortable, like, using other sewing machines. Do you Are you more comfortable yeah. doing that now, or um, do you have access to your, your grandmother's sewing machine? Yeah, so, actually, at this ribbon skirt was the last thing I've sewn. Um, so I actually haven't tried to use a different sewing machine since then. Um, but I do, I do have access to my grandmother's sewing machine. It's a singer sewing machine. Um, so I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. My, my grandmother was a great, so like really good at making clothes and and sewing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I wish I had spent more time just paying attention, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, it was, um, kind of, it was just interesting to me because I had spent so much time. So it was, I thought it would be like riding a bike, you know, like I, there was no way I'd forget this stuff. Um, but I did need a little refresher. <laughs> In your story, you were talking about how, you know, you had sewn with your grandmother, um, before, uh, your, like the story took place. Um, can you, um, talk about like any memories that you have, um, like as a younger person, um, with sewing and like how that may have like influenced this story at all? Yeah. So, um, sewing was definitely, so I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house, um, growing up. This is my maternal grandmother. Um, and we actually, I currently live in the house that my mom grew up in and the house that was my grandmother's house. Um, and so, um, there's this one room that was like the sewing room for us growing up. And when we'd come over, we would make so many things. Like I would make, I remember making like bags with her, um, clothes for my dolls. Like I said, 
like dresses for myself um and I also remember like being in the room and um like getting stabbed in the foot by the pins because like sometimes you just drop them and they're impossible to find in the carpet so then you step on them on accident um so I have many memories and it was definitely like a kind of central part of my childhood I would say and I like I have so many things that I created with her and um so I think that definitely influenced the story because as I got older um my grandfather's health also declined he has multiple sclerosis and so there my grandmother was kind of the caretaker for him and so there was less time for us to do things like so together and so being able to come back as like an adult um and make something like a ribbon skirt with her was definitely important and definitely reminded me of all the feelings that I had sewing with her growing up Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a really important uh, like childhood memory that's now turned into um, like tangible memory that you have an adult with your ribbon skirt. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Isabel, we did have just one final question to wrap up. Um, why do you think that it's so important for marginalized communities to tell their stories in their own voice? Yes, I think oftentimes, um, marginalized communities either aren't given the opportunity to tell their stories or when they are it's still not really them telling their stories like you said Um, and it's um, their stories are told through a perspective that can be very colonial and very just not good and not um, good representations Um, and so giving marginalized communities a chance to tell their stories is important because it's like representation by us and for us. You can tell any story you want and it could be about anything. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that was very beautifully put. And thank you to both of you, um, Aaron and Isabel, for being here. Um, it was really great to hear from both of you and listen um, to your story, Isabel. And thank you for listening to us, Unscripted Stories. Thanks for having us, Joe. Yeah, thank y'all thank so you. much. Thank you for listening to Us, Unscripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salam, Saeed Rezko, Sydney Hastings, and Jeanette Rojas. With support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from Us, 